Sunday school each Sunday night. I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of With your host, Keith Barney. <laughs> Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. I'll have you know that when I photoshopped that, I checked nothing. I just threw it up there, and look how perfect it is. Some would say perfect. Some would say utterly terrifying. (laughs) I feel a combination of the both. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, a weekly podcast in which Mike and I uh, terrify you by discussing David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice, uh yeah, I mean I'm so proud of my mustache placement. That's good. It's it's good. Like it it's it's only gonna make sense for about thirty seconds of the two and a half hours that we're gonna do this, but it is so worth it to me. And uh, the fact that I have uh, control over the uh, over our, our two shot here ahead of time means I can do whatever I want yeah, to, to poor Mike because Mike doesn't check it until about ten seconds before we record. So there's no time. To fix it. That's With a great power one. comes great responsibility, which Keith does not respect I or wield properly. Yes. In every possible way. Well, this will force me to not look at my uh, preview screen so that I don't uh, have to <laughs> continually feel like an a hole. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. it was bad enough I didn't comb my hair. I jumped right out of the shower, but uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's fine now. I'm just going to look like Doc Brown. Listen, you know, I, I, I should have matched the mustache to your hair. That was that was the problem. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of sad because on Tuesday, uh, tomorrow or Wednesday, one of those days, I'm getting it uh, re re younged. Oh, as I have a... to go, I have to go sing some uh, C League jersey boys, <laughs> <laughs> and I want to look like uh, not yeah, a ninety year old man. <laughs> I'm not trying to impersonate some, current. Uh... Valley, I'd, I'd say you have to do some Frankie, but because it's a it's a ripoff. What is it like, Frankly or Frankie? <laughs> um, oh, Keith, we got a new cat. Uh, yes, yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you do that, because obviously we have to do like we have to give. Yeah, you're right. Uh, proper, proper. Credence. We have to give proper uh, acknowledgement to that. But we also, before we do that, I, I'm so sorry to interrupt your cat train of thought. Because we have something really important to do uh, oh, okay. as it relates to the practice that I can't believe it, neither one of us even notice. Not a shocker. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to uh, send our acknowledgement to rest in peace, Alan Lowe and Ron Livingston. He has already done his final episode and is no longer in the credits, and we didn't even notice. I'm so sorry. 
Uh, Ron Livingston, you were a ter terrific addition to the show for about 11 episodes, uh, and you're no longer with us. How so many of those last was he in, though? He was only in, I think, about five or six. Didn't get to bang uh, anybody. He banged nothing other... He didn't even bang a gavel. <laughs> nothing. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, Ron Livingston had movie gigs to do like he was well on his way to becoming sort of a big you know a big deal and uh they got him on the practice right after uh right after band of brothers but then uh you know they disbanded him sorry ron and any other thoughts on the on on the loss of our main character he, he came in he replaced uh, a killed off character he mm -hmm. didn't get to bang nobody he was sort of uh never got to know if he was a good guy or a bad guy and uh, yep. then he was like i'm out so i hope the next person they re replace him with is as epic as this music <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect because the 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 actual track is called tragic epic and i loaded it, it on fitting fitting for tom brady it was it was perfect all right all right so then uh so there's that uh please if if we anybody would like to memorialize alan lowe further than we have done, please do so in the comments below. But now it's time for something far more important on uh, a podcast about the practice. We have tried for years to make this podcast a success. Yeah, we, we failed. failed. It's time to give the world what it was. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. Okay, yes. finally, let us let us give this the uh, the weight it deserves. Tell us. Oh wait, no, that's not the right one. Fitting <laughs> <laughs> though. What uh, is going on? Gothcat in needs the proper. Well, we drove down to South Carolina, North Carolina. It was North Carolina, and I'll save that uh, whole ordeal for another. Oh yeah. You know there was there was six a litter of six cats, and. My mother-in-law had kind of picked out which cat she thought we should take, which is one of the girls, because Jen wanted the another asshole. female cat. And she you picked know, out the worst garbage cat she had. No, to she, try to she give did to pick out one of the cats that was a little bit scaredy, because she thought we could we could give it a more kind of like, you know, nurturing kind of home. Now, what I what I noticed right off the bat was that of the six, four had kind of paired off into two duos, and scaredy okay. cat. Scaredy Cat, uh, which was named Owl, Owlie, was paired up with another cat, and I, I thought for sure they should stay together. My gut was like, those cats need to stay together, either to be adopted together or in perpetuity with my mother-in-law. Yeah. I knew that if we took it home, my orange cat, as people may or may not know, Keith, you know, uh, is, is a, uh, how do I say it? He's awesome, but he is unpredictable at times. Yeah, Didi is, you know, he's uh he's bold. He's is a bold flavor of cat. He's, he's a bold flavor. He's a Doritos cool ranch. <laughs> uh, um so I was afraid he would dominate this scared little kitty and uh so anyway, there was two other cats that were less beautiful in coat. Uh they were black cats, uh one tuxedo and one all black. And then this other guy, the two males, uh were a little bit more dominant and aloof and I was like that's what we need. Jen took a little convincing. Long story short, we picked the tuxedo cat. Thought he would be a good fit. Brought him home. Seven hours in the car, you think, uh-oh, kitten, car, crying, throwing up. You know, cats don't always like the car. No. He slept. He didn't care. 
Didn't even Didn't care. care. Slept with in Jen's lap the whole time. Got him home. Sequestered him into his own little room, as they say you should do for weeks on end. By the end of night one, uh, my DD cat was sniffing at the door, and I was like, well, let's just see how this goes. I opened the door. I got to work in. I stopped paying attention to the cats. Within two hours, they're playing chase. They're sleeping together. They're buddies. It's amazing. It's, and you, you sent a picture or a video of it. I did. They're like, uh, up on they're the screen like best right friends. now. Yeah, I'll put a, a picture. will appear at some point. Our cat photo of the week. Yes. Uh, they're friends now, and it's pretty awesome. And things are good so far. You know, he's little, so I'm a little uh, nervous to go away for a little while, but I'm sure uh, he's he's going to be just fine. So, yeah, we got a new Dude, he's going to eat him. No, 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 no. He does play a little. Sometimes he's biting a little hard, the little guy, but the little guy meows, and it's triggering, but then he goes. The other thing, yeah. unfortunately, uh, Jen just had to, CEO Jen had to leave because my sister's uh, 17, dog just turned 17, and, and today is the day that, unfortunately... Uh, They've got to uh, make the hard decision. Oof. So uh, our hearts go out to them. Uh, and uh, I guess, how's Charlie Jr.? I... Yeah, that, that, that's a tough call. I, yeah. I, I wish the best for everyone. Uh, Charlie Jr. is great. He is sleeping. So uh, my mother-in-law got him one of those little cat houses that you can climb awesome. inside, which awesome. he ignored for... Two weeks, and we're like, "How are we going to tell my mother-in-law that he just is not interested in that type of a thing?" <laughs> right. Until, uh, just it was, it was like a day. It was a quiet day, so I started uh, working on my music and singing full volume, uh, which, as you can imagine, is uh, on the higher scale of uh, mm -hmm. loudness, and uh, couldn't find the cat anywhere. Yeah. He went. He went into the unfinished half of the basement, which we are never there, and climbed into the damn thing, hiding from my singing. <laughs> so, turns out he loves it. So now he is sleeping on it on my desk next to me as we talk that's right awesome. now. So, that's what's going on with Charlie. I think it's time to find out what's going on with you in a, a little uh, segment we call. See how I found it there? I had to yeah, yeah, stall. Yeah. Tripped over every word. <laughs> I think tripping over every word is what I have done for 130 episodes. I think if, <laughs> if, that's, if that is a Keith. deal breaker, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> hours of it. Hour, hours? Like days? Weeks? <laughs> I mean, any any segment done in hours for us is like... Forget a it. Miracle. We've done yeah. everything for hours. Uh, however, we have heard from a good friend and CEO. We have heard from CEO Jen, who says Cameron Mannheim, talking about last episode, mm. is a walking masterclass in acting. Also, if Mitchell really wanted to make things right and admitted everything to Kittleson and powers that be, it would be a whole different story by... Mitchell, I couldn't agree more. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. Yeah, because, like, what the hell? Like, who who, like, who like, did that episode think they were fooling? I don't know. And it sure as heck wasn't CEO Jen. It surely was not. Okay, well, you know what? We, we, we've we only talked to Phoenix about Star Trek this week. So, oh, uh, okay. 
we're going to have to just like jump right forward. But if you would like to talk to us, you can reach us at out of practice podcast at gmail.com on the Facebooks and the Instagrams at out of practice podcast. And right below here on the YouTubes, we will happily read your comment. You can also do us a huge favor and join the jury. You can do that by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service of your choice. Let us know. We'll read it. We'll be so grateful. We would really, really appreciate it. It helps more than, uh, you know, it, it would be awesome at some point if more than Phoenix and CEO Jen actually listened to this. It would be uh, it'd be very exciting. <laughs> do you want me to, uh, to to flirt with your mom? I can do it. Just send us, <laughs> just send us an email and I'd be happy to make an illicit pass at your mother. <laughs> Mike will hit on your mom. To, that is the to, out of practice podcast guarantee. guarantee. I could do it on Cameo, but that costs money. This is free. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the cheapest, weirdest hit on your mom on the internet. So, which is probably really saying something. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, can't wait to put that on the internet. <sighs> And while I think about the implications of all of that, <laughs> let us use our, that some travel time and travel back in time, back to March 17th, the year 2002, and answer everybody's question while everyone questions, do I really want Mike to hit on my mom? I don't know. I don't think I do. But in the meantime, he's going to tell us what was going on. This day in the basement. Well, I think back to 2002, and if I'm not mistaken, hold on. Uh, was this? I had something planned. Now I now I'm questioning whether it's right or not. Oh, are are you sorry? I'm sorry. Are you just, just want to make this clear? You are wondering about the appropriateness of something you're about to do 20 seconds after saying you will hit on everyone on the internet's mom. That's that's what's going through the the head right now. Uh, no, I was just trying to remember, no, it's not, I don't think it's now, so forget it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull a mulligan. <laughs> uh, this would have been the, tw around the 22nd birthday of CEO Jen, <gasps> who I hadn't oh, met yet. Oh, snap! But we were both in the same city, and what's interesting to know is that she was, I think, finishing up NYU. She was either on tour as Maria at this point, or, things that wouldn't happen now, uh, or... She was still down in uh, NYU where I was often visiting the South Street Seaport. I liked to, that uh, was one of the places I would go because it was so far from where my school was. I'd like to go down there to the Battery and kind of walk around and feel like I was somewhere else for a while. And uh, she would have been down there celebrating her birthday. And so I, I, I sometimes think, I will, what if we were crossing paths? Would have been interesting. It's, it's possible, right? Yeah. Uh, boy, she would, she would does sing the crap out of that role yeah well in a couple of years when you and i go on our i won't even call it a b-league tour i don't know what i don't know if they've made <laughs> enough letters to really describe <laughs> the it's 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 definitely one of like those special characters you have to hit a second button to yeah. get to level tour but at that point uh she was already auditioning and getting on broadway so uh we we were on divergent paths that somehow found each other so that was uh we're set we're celebrating in the time machine today, we're celebrating CEO Jen's 22nd birthday, uh, but now we're going to focus, we're going to zoom out a little bit, Keith, and uh, where were you? What were you up to? Well, I was, uh, boy, not doing anything cool like that, but I was in <laughs> rehearsals for 
uh, a production of La Boheme that are, uh, it was the Puccini. last opera. Puccini, yes, indeed. The last opera I did at Eastman. Um, now, if, if you remember way back to uh, telling our 9-11 stories, uh, I was auditioning for this production. And uh, guess what? I didn't get it. Mm. But I was in the ensemble uh, for a pretty good production of this, uh, which I very much enjoyed. Um, it was pretty cool because the Eastman really invested in their productions there. So our, you know, in the Eastman Theater, which is the three thousand seat house with like, like a real legit set, and we had snow, we had the whole, the whole deal. It was actually, um, it was it was pretty fun. And uh, one of our Mimi's, because it was double cast, would in less than ten years do the La Boheme on Broadway, oh, the Boz Lerman cool. one in that role. Sweet. So it was uh, it was pretty darn good. Now the other thing that I was doing, I you, also throwing it back to way back when, uh, I played a little bit of a recording of myself singing uh, a, a song at Eastman with uh, my buddy Phil Palmer who wrote it and was doing that recording class. And at this point, literally this day, because I checked the emails, I, I have the receipts. I was uh, recording the next song for him, which this time we had uh, had full brass. Another role that uh, I probably shouldn't have been singing, uh, much like all of us in the early 2000s. But it was uh, really fun to have actual real-life brass. Anyway, so that's what I was doing. Where's the fade-out button on this? There it is. Well, I'm going to keep jamming until you fade. Oh, I'll just leave it here. I just want to... I'm going to watch my jam. This is what you're missing out if you're not actually watching this on YouTube is watch Mike play the trumpet with his fingers. Sorry, sorry, that was probably pretty loud. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. That that was that was fun though. Yeah, yeah. You know, time. I might do more recordings now and uh and watch Mike do interpretive dances on that. Please do. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it is time to zoom out further, continuing to talk about March 17th. But this time, let's talk about everything else that was going on. It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. It was cold. Now back to Keith and Mike. Okay, folks. Like I said, we are talking about March 17th, the year 2002. The cover of the Burlington Free Press talked about cutting commuter train may cost state millions. Because, uh, you know, we were in the, just, you know, not caring about trains or public transit. And boy, that worked out great for everyone and everything. But I do hear there's, uh, I heard, or heard, I saw something on Facebook that they might be putting the commuter train back up in Vermont soon. Well, yes, a lot of these trillions uh one point whatever trillion in this infrastructure package is is eared for uh, lots of mass transit. So hopefully uh, we As see some be. improvement. Yeah. And uh, 
I, I can I can say any number of things about our president right now, but dude loves trains. Yeah, dude, dude, dude loves love trains, train. and he should love trains. They are good for you, and like I don't know, like a, like an apple or something. But they're uh, good mass transit, clean, efficient. Come on, Ish. guys, get on the Ish. train. Yeah. Get on the train, train. The top movie was Ice Age, which took in $46 million, the first Ice Age. And the top song, which you will be hearing once Mike does it in post, is Ain't It Funny Murder Remix. Again, taking over the world. Now it is time for the most important segment. What? Did, well, hold on. What, I, somebody educate me. Because we mm-hmm. had this with Ja Rule before when he was singing with J-Lo. Like, there's always a murder remix. What is that just a person murder? Is was like a... Perf- what is a murder remix? No idea. <laughs> like, should we know? Is that something as music people I, we should be familiar with? <laughs> as people with music degrees. <laughs> I have no idea. You it know, should I, be... I guess we skipped that minor in murder remixes. They didn't do the murder remix of La Boheme, which is what I was doing right now. So, <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> Look, that's what it says on Wikipedia. And that is the level of detail we go for on this show. Look, we go point, to Wikipedia. From pointless remixes to pointless recaps of sports. Pointful. Because it's sports. They all have points. Oh. It's, time, it's time, time. time. It's time for sports. The Boston Bruins lost 2-1 to one to the Phoenix Coyotes out in Arizona. Mike Knubel scored the only goal for Boston. Only one. Nazarov fought in the first. Girardi, Girardi and Lankow dropped him in the third. The Flyers beat the Devils 4-2 in Jersey with goals by Kapanen, Desjardins, Abonte, and Weinreich. Roman Cechmonic was in the net for Philly, outdueling Hall of Famer Marty Brodeur. All right, that wasn't so bad. Yeah, see, I, I'm trying to make him fit in the you know in the little music queue because right. I'm oh. a you know, professional. I'm missing my and, mustache. Oh yeah, yeah. Is, is it itchy now that you've taken it off? Yeah, I can I can grow it back real fast though. You'll see. Okay, good. I'm looking forward to it. But uh, we we have uh, we have an important thing to do before we do that, and that is I'm a human being. God damn it! My life has value, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Folks, we are talking about The Practice, Season 6, Episode 16, Manifest Necessity. Manifest Necessity. I like it. See what they did there? Yeah. I I do. I do. And it was written by Peter Blake, who last wrote on Eyewitness, and directed by Christina Musray, who last directed on The Test. Which means, uh, folks, there's only one more thing to do because Mike has a hard out. You know, he's he's got stuff to do, so I can't just filibuster his afternoon. Uh, but well, I you can. Could. You could, <laughs> and the episode <laughs> would just cut at five thirty. <laughs> <laughs> I could, but you know, Mike's gonna have to filibuster his own afternoon in a segment we call. What is that supposed to mean? Do you notice What's the pirate problem? is still there? It's still a pirate. Is this what happens to women <laughs> Always your penis? Always a pirate. What? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? Sexy what pirate now. drank the curdled milk, then uh, what would have happened? I should put him in lingerie. I don't even remember the pirate inside joke. It's been so long. No, I. somehow you made a pirate reference, and then the whole season was about pirates. I really don't remember. <laughs> it never changed the graphic. So we've come so far. We've, we've jumped the shark on our own joke. Oh, 
all of our jokes, all of our jokes have gone from like, oh, that yeah, that was sort of funny, to like, wow, you're really hitting that hard. To wait, what was it even about? That that well, is the progression of our comedy here. Since we're going fast, uh, I I have the sexiest of all pitches here. I'm looking at these mustaches. Going fast. Yeah, I'm looking at these mustaches. Clearly, Lucy has something to do in this episode. Uh, so I'm gonna really go for it here. This I was so right last week that I need to say something that's gonna make me so wrong this week. Lucy has an uncanny sort of crush on our mm. guest star that I have not looked at the Wikipedia, so I do not know who it is, but I'm gonna guess from the mustaches that we are going to work with the one and only Wilford Brimley on this <laughs> week's episode <laughs> of Out of Practice. And Lucy and is, Lucy is gonna Lucy crush is taken. Lucy, Lucy is taken by his mustache and is just all in on the diabetes. You want to take a rod on this diabetes? I now, if I'm right about this, I think I, I think I quit the podcast. I'm gonna go move to LA or Las Vegas. Wow, wow. So there you go. Will Lucy? Try to ride the walrus. We will find out. <laughs> you can listen to us. Listen to it on your favorite podcasting service of choice. Otherwise, we'll be right back for the oopsies. Episode, nope. Season six, <laughs> episode 16. It's a palindrome. Manifest necessity. 616. I'm not sure how I'll react on the witness stand. Don't ever do that. Patricia, I know you can do it. <laughs> Mr. McIntyre would. He was like an uncle to me. This man killed your father. Yeah, that but just that one time. Flip, but that isn't much of an uncle. But you said that he was linked to organized crime. You said that he's he's killed before. And I've tried convicting him once before. Well, at least our so district I'm attorney is still with us. taking a real personal interest in this case. Yeah, he but just got bumped remember, up a call list. The judge ruled McIntyre's priors inadmissible. It seems very dark, yeah? The jury can't hear about his dark. record. Well, look. let's interrupt it then with... Else we should discuss. Lady who apparently doesn't mind that her father was killed by this dude. Lady who's like, so what you're saying is my fun uncle is more like my gun uncle? <laughs> mm, sorry wow. about that. Sorry about that. <laughs> starting off, starting it hot. Coming in hot. <laughs> That joke was funkly. Get it? Funkle? Fun uncle? Never mind. This, <laughs> right. So uh, this lady is played by Veronica Lauren from Dark Shadows, the, the original from the 90s. Oh, my mom's Returns favorite show. Some dove. Oh, did you watch it? I've never seen an episode favorite of it. Favorite show. Know. Oh, dude, actually... Holy shit, that's that could be a really great pot. Nobody would oh my god, you think people don't watch this? Um it's awesome. <laughs> it is it is absolutely the most campy thing you've ever seen. But what is amazing is that they try to do all these practical special effects, but since it's live television, because it's, you know, uh soap opera filmed, there's no time for edits. So it goes wrong constantly. So many things go wrong so often and these actors are just forced and it's like it's melodrama, right? So they're they're they can't tongue in cheek it, so they just have to like fake their way through these terribly botched. Oh, it's just so amazing! Like this one time, there's this effect where this person's supposed to like raise out of the the grave, I think, 
but like something's not working. So they just do a close up on the one actress's face who's watching the grave for like <laughs> seven minutes. And it's just <laughs> her face. And they don't cut to commercial. They don't do anything. She just keeps acting horrified for seven minutes. It's it's amazing. We gotta Wow. Uh, I, I kind of now want to watch this. Yeah, you gotta pull I, I, it up. We should we can do this podcast just for ourselves. Yeah, that's but not like, a bad idea. Like truly just for ourselves. Not like this is just for ourselves, because it is, but like that would be uh Yeah. All right, I'm on board. I'm on board. All right. Well, uh eh, Veronica Lauren here likes her fun on Goldmort and her dad. Continuing. Man, she must have been young on Dark Shadows, eh? Yeah, well, this was only about, because she was on in, like, 1991. So this is only, like, uh, 10 years after that. Dark Shadows was still in the air in 91? I think oh, so, yeah. It was like this, the Dark Shadows was, like, in the 70s. There, well, there there might have been a revival of it. Hold on. There hold was on. a revival. It was, but it wasn't, a, that one was a t television drama, not a soap. Oh, we watched that not? one with my mom too. Yeah, that's definitely the reboot. I know more about Dark Shadows than I should. I'm learning right now. You really do. Oh, I see. Yeah, the, this was, she was on the 1991 one. Yeah, she was okay. would have been like minus 20 years old in the 60s. <laughs> Guys, remember when I said I was trying to go quick? Sorry one about of this. our yeah. witnesses, the better of the two, just left town. Her mother's in critical condition after a car accident in Florida. Joseph Gordon-Levitt did 12 Meaning? episodes of that. Well, if I remember, we're unable I to get her well. back it was, in time, the reboot was pretty good. We'll be depending even more on your testimony. Another side weird fact: since my mom loved the show so much, I was a hair's breadth from being named Barnabas. Wow! So you would be doing this podcast with Barney, with your host Keith Varney and Barnabas and Deglio. No, she wanted to call me Barney, so it would have been with Keith Varney and Barney, Varney and Barney uh, in the morning. We would have our own morning show, Varney and Barney you know in the morning. I would not suckers. I would not call you Barney. I would 100% call you Barnabas every single time. Barnabas Joseph Indeglio. Wow. Yeah. Barnabas a nut. What? <laughs> Why as well would he as say the that? testimony of the other witness, <laughs> That's Charles so Rossi. Gross. Mr. Rossi. Charlie's good enough. Bobby Dunn. Appreciate you coming in. Please sit down. All right, Bob. oh, well, Bobby and Jimmy. I, I just need to interrupt that whole thing right now to introduce. Holy crap, it's Ron Swanson! There's only one stash that I prefer to the Brimley, and it's the Swanson. It's Nick Offerman! He just walked out of the screen like nothing is happening. Holy crap, it's Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec, of course. He is a two-time Emmy nominee for hosting Making It with Amy Poehler. He was also in The Founder, Fargo. He's in the new uh, League of Their Own revival, the Lego Movie 2, 24, City of Angels, all good things, but come on, it's Nick Offerman. Hello? I'm trying to get a hold of you for over two months. Suddenly you call out of the blue and ask to see us right away. He could have been a Jimmy Berluti. What's going on? He could have been, yeah. I'd never been asked to be a witness in a trial, so I didn't know what to do, but the guy I fingered for the murder, he didn't do it. What do you mean, didn't do it? He's not the guy. Look, I originally picked him out of a bunch of photographs, and I was wrong. And how did you come to realize this? Today's newspaper. I saw McIntyre's picture. The guy that night, he looked different. Did you tell the district attorney? No. I wasn't sure where to go. 
This is separate from the uncle case. You yes. are the ones representing McIntyre. No, right? this is the same one. Mr. Rossi, Charlie. So our heroes you testified are before the grand jury the that you saw our client leaving the scene of the crime. Now you're telling me that you were mistaken. What's to say you the won't change your testimony tomorrow when you take the stand? Mr. Donnell, this guy, McIntyre, didn't kill anyone here. And I don't think someone should go to jail for something they didn't do. So they had an exculpatory witness no longer. Well, they have one now. So what the whole think? case... For much of the case was now. on... I was very caught up in Dark Shadows. I'm going to need you to just go ahead and recap the first two okay. minutes of this episode. So, <laughs> <laughs> Mike wasn't paying attention. We are literally two minutes and 46 <laughs> seconds into this episode. And Mike needs a recap. Okay, so uh, some dude gets killed. Uh, his daughter is one of the witnesses against the person who killed him, but it was the fun uncle, so she doesn't care as much. And one of the other witnesses to the murder was Ron Swanson, who is now saying, nah. Okay. Clears Dr. Sattler. How about getting a statement? Not on our client's life. We'd be obligated to tell the DA. This is Michael McIntyre's lucky day. Mm. There's that zinger that one of those writers wrote. They were like, yes. Yeah. And that's how we're going to go into the credits. Which is literally something that would never get said in real life. But it's okay. It's TV. It's his lucky day. And Bobby gave you full, like, smoky eyes, pursed his lips. He gave you the, he sold it like only Bobby well, he, Donald. He did. did the CSI Miami. And just like. Yep. And that is how you went to see. Oh, I thought you were going like, to say something and, funny. And then, like, <laughs> no, I don't have anything funny. My, I, I, I have nothing funny today, okay? I'm just... I work I, on struggle bus. I, I want a... <laughs> I want, like, some sort of a participation trophy for today. <laughs> I'm just, I need, like, like a little blue ribbon that says, that You left. showed up! <laughs> we have been roll. over this. I want to take the stand. You do that and your record could come in. I don't care! You should care. You were tried once for killing your former business partner, and now you're on trial for killing your current business partner. Mm. Even though you were acquitted, there's a chance the judge would let the prosecution ask about it. Jimmy's right. We do not want to open the door on prior bad acts or pattern evidence. Look, there is good news. <laughs> One of their witnesses, a man named Charles Rossi, came to our office last night and told us he misidentified you. Thank you. God. Don't get too excited. The prosecution still has another witness. Well, didn't they just lose half their case? Michael, we need to ask. Any idea why this witness is backing off his ID? You think I threatened him? You know, based I'm on my accent, it's pretty obvious As officers of the court, we can't get involved in any kind of conspiracy to threaten a witness. Look. I hung with the wrong kind. I made some big mistakes. But I haven't been connected to any of that in years. Then why would he come to us instead of very, the deal? Very How do I know? I don't know. For the last time, I, I, just I didn't like to point threaten out anyone. That line. Okay. No, it's not okay. Mike, <clears throat> ask me about some horrible crime that I that I, I may have done. Keith, 
See, you really shouldn't have teed me up about with that. <laughs> I could get very specific, but I'm I'm second guessing it right now. Keith, yes, you've been implicated in a string of uh, pudding thieves, uh, thousands and thousands of stolen puddings in supermarkets across this the the, mm-hmm. this, the mm-hmm. country. Uh, now, what do you have to say about that? I, look, I haven't been connected with any pudding thieves recently, so <laughs> I mean. That's pretty much done, right? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't been accused of stealing a pudding in 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 going on weeks now. Not even accused. I haven't been connected <laughs> with that recently. Nobody said my name and pudding in the same sentence in at least forty-seven hours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I need to know <laughs> exactly. that you're going to be there, doing a good fighting job. for me. Michael, you hired us to do a job. Yes, folks, I ran through all of the possible improv scenarios in my head and 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 really settled on Pudding Thief. Pudding! <laughs> pudding Thief, hurry! Uh, we should introduce we'll uh, our Pudding Thief while we're at it. Yes. It's Victor Brandt, who, done, not surprisingly, does a ton of voiceover work. And uh, from uh, Zorro to Spawn to Red Dead 2, another 48 hours, and... Check this out. He was in two episodes of Star Trek, the original series. Mm. He was Tongo Rad in The Way to Eden and Watson in Alan of Troyes. Like, rarely get a original series drop in. Now, serious question. Do you think that's his actual voice or is he putting it on? Well, he's a he's a no, voice actor. No, 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 no. Let me try again. Is that yeah. his actual voice or is he putting it on there's not a big enough spoon to scoop yourself out of that i just want to make sure that you're comfortable with me j-e-l-l-o no philly yeah. what uh, happened <clears throat> so many jokes i just didn't I do in my head this jewelry store i saw the most beautiful watch i oh, i know I, this guy. I couldn't help myself we now yes, have a you Lindsay case. done anything like guy that might knows B case. B case. And it is played. This guy's played by James Handy. But guess what? We've seen him before. Mike is right. He was in the pilot. He played Lieutenant Paul Stewart. We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. Patter section. From the pilot. Oh, I, I thought I hit the button. Yes. I did not. You scalp tickets. You run poker games. I know, I know, but the watch. I mean, it was a Breitling Chrono. Shiny, go play three dials. The whole deal goes for too large. And you thought you'd just waltz out of the store with it? The uh, salesman, he was busy with another customer. I thought I could outrun him. <coughs> that cough will and come back and be important. And what's with the statement? Uh, it's Chekhov's Cops cough. Me half a block away with a watch in my pocket. Philly. Protest. This just doesn't make Anyone sense. You're not a ever thief. Into I know TV you. Or a movie? I got desperate. I needed the money point. bad. We've got two uh, protagonist antagonists who have 
very suspect accents that indicate they are shady characters. And uh, this guy's name is Philly, which is a shorthand for guy we're supposed to think is like a gambler guy. Yeah, you know, he's a, he's a guy. He sometimes he goes to the meatball sub. Thing the shop where he, where sometimes he, gets, he gets, wears a, a tweed so sports something coat. stupid. He gets a, he gets a friendship sub. stupid. <laughs> Who doesn't love a friendship sub? Oh, I thought he'd be much more in, you may in not the tuna dog category. Some time. <laughs> How much time? Well, if we he hasn't met his friend yet. If we plead, but I don't mean just a couple of months at a corrections house. Welcome to the podcast where Keith and Mike talk about shit that is not even tangentially related. And at your age and your condition... I'll do all right. You don't worry about me. That's not breaking news. Philly, are you okay? No. You don't look well. I'm just, I'm just scared, that's all. I just coughed on TV. Don't worry, don't worry about it. This will never come up again. Guys, we need to write this scene with this guy, Philly, and we need to really be subtle about indicating that he's probably very ill. Uh, uh-huh, but we've got to be uh-huh. subtle about it. Uh, yeah, so yeah. what do you think? I was thinking like we could have him cough a lot, have him yeah, say he's yeah. fine, and then have Lindsay ask him 17 times if he's all right. He doesn't look so good. Oh yeah, yeah, and 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 because I'm so proud of the nickname I've made him, can can we just have him use it? Like, have have Lindsay use it three times in the scene? That'd be great. Yeah, all right, great. Okay, great. Keith, could you call me Philly from now on? Yeah. As hey, you Philly can see, I'm a little a lot. buried hey! at the moment. Just two Skylar minutes. Whoa. Philly Siglo, Grand Larson. Guys, right. Um, I know that from somewhere. Guys, Anna Gunn is back. Oh, that's that's Da Gene Ward. That's it. Yeah. No song, because, you know, this. she's played this before. Recurring. I, I, I played the song. We need to talk. No, 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 no. I mean, there's no point get going this. to trial. Oh, 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 Phil is an oh, older yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. He's harmless. All Same his character. priors are misdemeanor. Ticket Lindsay. scalping. Hold on. Um, the watch your client lifted. Because Ron Livington's not we lost here it. anymore. And you lost it? Somewhere between booking and the evidence room, it disappeared. Keith, have you ever been fallen victim to a ticket scalper? I have not. I, because uh, I don't have friends or do things. I early on in my early days, this should have been a this day in the basement. I got, uh, I bought tickets in hard quotes to the Lion King, and then was turned away at the door because they were fraudulent. Oh, that is such a like I've just gotten to New York story. Lesson hashtag learned. You know, quite frankly, I would like to check the wrists of every cop in Boston. Then you got no case. Don't tell me a jury will convict. Wait, Lindsay. Your guy confessed. And I'll argue that he was suffering from early dementia and didn't know what he was confessing to. Gene, come on. You've lost the evidence, and you obviously have bigger fish to fry. Gene, it's Please. Philly. Of all people, it's Philly. Favor bank? It's Philly. I'll owe you. I'm serious. He's got a cough. He likes meatballs. Right. I pleaded to petty larceny. Time served. He walks now? Yes. But you do owe me. I'm serious. I was leaving the school around eight. I'm a custodian at John Adams. I was walking down, holding on my way to the bus when John I saw Adams this guy coming out of the news. house. Well, did you get a good to. look at him? Yeah, hey. I did. Yeah, do you see the man here in the courtroom? No. Where's my money? Mr. Rossi, is the man you identified for the police and the district attorney present today in this courtroom? The guy I identified is sitting right over there, but what I'm trying to tell you is that's not who I saw running that night. Mr. Rossi, did you or did you not testify in front of the grand See, jury one month after Mr. Hayden's murder? I did. By having him While in front of the- tell them ahead of time. 
right? Because right. like, let let's say this. Let's say our 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 mobster got to him, and he's going to do this on the stand. Why do we, as the audience, need to know this ahead of time? Well, yeah. Why can't ruined, we just it, see the scene? Right. It ruins the drama. Like the scoring right. is indicating that this is like a. Big, oh my god. <clears throat> yeah. This. Uh, I wonder if that's. Huh. Which it is to Helen, of course. Like, f- f- Helen is the only person here who doesn't know what's going to happen. But everybody else does. Yeah, but generally, Helen is not our our narrator, right? She's so... Yeah, you're right. It's... it's uh, What's the word I'm looking for? It's 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 not um, balanced. It's undercutting correctly. its own drama. Yeah. Grand jury. Feels like a miscommunication These between, are like, truthful the, responses. The writer Question. and the writer? Is this yeah. the man you saw running from Mr. Hayden's house? Answer... Yes. Question. Are you sure? Answer. 100% sure. Now, Mr. Rossi, were those your responses? Yes. Do you remember sitting in my office two days ago discussing this case? Listen, I saw Mr. McIntyre's photo in the newspaper yesterday morning and... He just isn't who I saw that night. That night, you were five feet from the suspect on a well-lit street. Now, you are changing your mind after seeing a black and white newspaper photo. Yes. Did you discuss with anyone your appearance here today? I talked to my sister and Mr. Donnell and Mr. Berluti. You told defense counsel, but not the prosecution. Their names were in the paper along with McIntyre. I thought they should know. Mr. Rossi, were you paid to change your testimony today? No. Were you threatened into doing so? No. Why don't you understand? You people got the wrong guy, and I'm just trying to do the right thing. Your Honor, I have nothing further for this witness. People reserve the right to recall. Very well, then. We'll reconvene in the morning. Bobby looks all bashful. How do I know? Two days ago, the guy was completely on board, but now he's either confused or scared. He was reached by McIntyre, damn it, and you couldn't pull him back. Yesterday, we had two witnesses who could make McIntyre. Today, one's pissed back on us, and the other one's in Florida, for God's sake. I want you to get a material witness warrant and have the Florida sheriff pick that woman up now. I've already threatened her with that. She says if we follow through, she won't talk at all. How bad is her mother? Day to day, who knows? Listen, I know you've never fully recovered from the earlier case when McIntyre... Where's Rossi now? We've still got him. He's outside. Some (laughs) some awkward exposition. A lot of it, too. Mike, I I, I know you haven't fully recovered from the last episode we did. Then what? I'm looking at a couple of months? Philly, they pled it down to a misdemeanor. You don't have to serve any time. But I copped to it. I confessed. Wait, you're not understanding me. Once the pleas entered, the case is over. I was just... Wow, this, this, uh, this threw me for a loop is all. I mean, here I was. I was thinking, Walpole, and uh, you, you gave me a second life. I appreciate you getting me kicked. You dodged a bullet. Stay away from this kind of thing, okay? Yeah. Did Philly steal the evidence himself? Why would I need a lawyer? Perjury carries a maximum sentence of 20 years, Mr. Rossi. What perjury? I made a mistake, that's all. We don't think so. 
No, I'm talking about in Philly's case, they lost the evidence. That's why he can't be. He can't. Oh, be, oh, oh, yes, 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 yes. That'd be impressive. Like if Philly were like a master sleight of hand guy, that'd be fun. Yeah, they haven't really like, like indicated that he's getting, all that smart, but well, but his name is Philly, so he's clearly a pickpocket. Don't you arrest me because you're not. Tone. I'm leaving. Sit down. I don't have to stay if you're not going to sit down and shut up. She's taking water. Water ice. Let's go to Rita's water ice. You think you're smarter than me? <laughs> Prisons are full of guys who thought they were smarter than me. I'm the chief prosecutor for the DA, and that means I have the authority to do whatever I want. You just screwed me over in this case, and if McIntyre walks because of it, I'm gonna take that very personally. And here's what'll happen. First, I'll open a grand jury investigation, and I'll subpoena everyone who hates your guts. And when I'm through with them, you will be indicted for perjury and obstruction of justice. Then I'm gonna convict your ass and personally recommend the maximum sentence be doubled. And off you'll go to the toughest prison in the state, where I'll see to it that you're thrown into the general population for the length of your term. Whatever weight you're feeling from the other side, it's nothing compared to the load I'm going to bring. Samichevich is like, I'll take that Mr. role, Ross. thank you very much. You can put me in the credits. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let me think about it. You have seven hours. If you need protection, we'll give it to you. And I'm sure you'll do, uh, how did you put it? The right thing? Yeah. Can I go now? Sure. You think about that load. You think about that load. Hope this works. It better. Ah. Oh. You diabetes. <laughs> Colonial pen. <laughs> Do you need diabetes accessories? <laughs> How you doing? I'm missing a three-hour lecture on Chaucer. Uh, wife of Bastel is the best. It's the bodiest one. Oh, no. Unnecessary Chaucer references making <laughs> Helen seem smart. <laughs> Again, the writers are like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna work. This is what I'm, I'm reading this week, so I'm just gonna work it into the episode for no, no reason." No, no one's reading Chaucer. You're gonna do great up there. I know it didn't go well yesterday, but he really is a fun uncle. I'm ready to testify, Miss Gamble. I am really ready. I know. Mr. McIntyre was my dad's business partner. They owned three body shops together for almost five years. How would you characterize their relationship? It started off fine. Mostly sexual. Just before my dad was killed, he told me that- Objection, hearsay. Sustained. Need a mustache ride. Patricia, <laughs> did you ever overhear the defendant threaten your father? Yes. <laughs> I think we are actively subverting our own podcast currently. <laughs> yes, it, we're sabotaging our own thing. Ah, <laughs> oh, this testimony is going to bring me to the brim, Lee. Two days before he was killed, I came home early from school. And I went into the kitchen through the back door. 
My father and Mr. McIntyre were in the next room arguing. Was it a violent fight? Yes. There was a lot of screaming. I didn't hear everything, but my father was accusing Mr. McIntyre of stealing money and doctoring the books. And also stealing his uh, blood glucose. <laughs> he said he was going to sue. What did the defendant say? He was really mad. How'd that go? He told my, my dad that he strips. could go ahead and sue, but that glucose. he wouldn't live to see it through. That he'd kill him first. Miss Hayden. Just call Tell us what happened the diabetes night your father was I came home late. I went inside and found my father lying on the kitchen floor. There was blood everywhere. And he was, he was gulping for air, trying to breathe. Could you demonstrate, please? By the time the EMTs arrived, it was too late. You say your father thought my client was stealing from his... Now, uh, listen... 20 plus years after it happened, talking on mm -hmm. a podcast that no one listens to, right, I got right. more emotional about my dad passing away than that girl just did on the, the witness stand. Uh, she did. Um, uh, though, to be fair, being on the witness stand is not always the best place to access your emotions. Okay, I'm just saying I'm skeptical, Keith. You're skeptical? I'm skeptical. Skeptical. <laughs> Business. How much time Did he go to the police? <laughs> My father always gave people the benefit of the doubt. I'm he had no about proof the end Mr. of this McIntyre podcast. stealing. So it's possible there was no theft on my client's part. Speaking of, my dad had the diabetes. My dad, yeah, your Wilford Brimley is your worst. Um, uh, but uh, I've was, never tried to take it out of it, that one line. So <laughs> take it out. Sometimes you take an accent out into the real world. I only and it know what work. I heard that night. When you say Mr. McIntyre like threatened your father's life, that you believe that was a serious threat, you take it out into the world you? and you realize, I should yes. not have grown this mustache. Why didn't you report this serious <laughs> threat to the police? My father said he wasn't afraid. In fact, you only reported this argument weeks after your father died. At first, the police told me my father was the victim of an intruder. But I didn't believe it. Why not? Your house has been burglarized twice in the last three years, isn't that correct? Yes, And six it, weeks before your father died, you called the police to report someone looking in your window. Isn't that correct? My father was The police a, felt your father was killed confronting a burglar until you convinced them otherwise. It wasn't a burglar. Miss Hayden, I feel for your loss, but isn't it possible that you're wrong about my client? No. There is no direct evidence linking Mr. McIntyre to your father's death. One witness even recanted, admitting he made a mistake. Isn't it possible you made one too? Again, they played the score there, like landed this huge blow. It didn't really do anything other than say like, right. weird. Uneven. Philly. Philly? Is that Philly? Again. I'm really busy. Oh, I held up a convenience store. What are you doing, Lucy, Philly? Will you get the Vorenberg some coffee and maybe something to eat? Oh, that'll go over big since you were 40 minutes late starting. Just stall. Oh, Lucy. Calling it like she sees it. Philly. What's going on? What's with you? I told you, I need money. I'm desperate. That wasn't just going away. <sighs> you held up a store. Did anyone get hurt? No. Is Philly an old friend of hers? Did she say? I mean... 
obviously everyone who's ever yeah. appeared on the show. I mean, is an she's old just friend. treating him like these things he's doing are no big deal. Like, oh, you old rascal! But he's doing some shit. Hey, it's Philly. Hey, you know, Philly <laughs> yeah, just does right. Philly things, you know? You're right. I should go to the federal pen for this, right? No, this is a state crime. What's the difference? Well, to get sent to federal prison, you have to commit a federal crime, robbing a bank. Look, look, forget that. But how much time am I looking at? Did you use a gun? Uh, it depends. What? Yeah, okay, I used a gun. When did you do this? Last night? Well, does it make a difference? Philly, you're not making any sense. Lindsay, no, please, just help me out here. Look, if you're in trouble or you need money, maybe I can help. But only if you tell me what's really going on. I'm losing the Vorenbergs. Should I move on to card tricks or balloon animals? I'll be right there. I need to think what about is she this. So Wait, well, well, where are you going? Go. This beat feels very, it's like the shitty version of the Raymond Oz arc. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, although, I mean, it's pretty obvious at this point he's trying to be caught. So I think that that's interesting. Yeah, I guess. But if that was the case, why would he be freaking out? To, well, I guess, Mike, watch the show, Mike. Watch the show, Mike. Jeez, that's the whole point of this thing. Philly. 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 <laughs> Everybody get a shot of water ice every time he says Philly. I love, I missed the blurry B-roll. Oh, we've got a location shoot. I had a uniformed officer waiting at his place all day, but he never showed. Then we got this call. Shot once in the neck. Oh, well. Probably bled out in only a few minutes. We barely Folks, saw you, Nick Offerman. We're canvassing, but we have like now this. seen Nobody sees the anything. Ron Swan song of Nick Offerman. His wallet's missing. Thanks. Achoo! He got off. McIntyre did this, Man. Helen. Oh, God. <laughs> I should have convicted the bastard 12 years he ago. Made him an he offer, man. He couldn't refuse. You there you go. <laughs> Tomorrow I'll talk to the judge. I'll be with you. It's not a good idea. You and Wilcox have a history. I don't need you bringing baggage in there. What I'll bring is the full weight of this office. The judge has to respect that. I can't wait my I don't need your help. I'll be with you. Oh. End of story. That's your boss, Helen. Respect. Ah, oh, and we fade to commercial. What do you think the first commercial is going to be, Keith? Our, this our presentation beer. is brought to you by Diabetes. Good morning. I'm Wilfred Brimley, and I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes about diabetes. Actually, about I, uh, diabetes and... Uh... uh, uh you know, <laughs> what is that? diabetes. Now, I'm not perfect, and I've done things I shouldn't do. For instance, I had an unquenchable thirst. My best friend and partner, Dick Richards, all through the night, and he explained things to me in a language that I understood. Kind of loosen up. Kind of relax about the whole thing. You know, it's not a bad idea once in a while. And I think the most important thing he said to me was, obey these simple rules and do these simple things. I promise you, you'll feel better. Uh, uh, you know, uh, diabetes. Have a good day. 
<laughs> so Rossi <laughs> got himself is shot. Isn't that too bad? But Do I'm buying a product. About this? <laughs> of course not. You're not too broken up about it. What? I'm supposed to feel bad? This is the guy that caused me all my trouble. So what now? We're thinking this might be the time to reopen plea negotiations. Get a sandwich. Why? Aren't my chances better now than they were before? Yes. But there's always the risk they find new evidence. And they got and the a pretty prosecution bad still guy has on another witness, a woman who also says she saw you they coming do. out he of Hayden's house right. that night. I still like my chances. Now more than ever. Even a bad guy. I didn't kill Rossi, I didn't kill Hayden. <laughs> and I'm not to be pleading to anything. Your Honor, I move that you declare a mistrial based on manifest necessity for a new trial. You can't hey. retry my client just because your case is falling apart. If, in fact, a witness is threatened or killed by the defendant, I can Richard declare McGregor. a mistrial based on manifest necessity. And there would be no violation of double jeopardy. We would say start it one more time trial. at least. My client was in custody last really? night. Your client has extensive criminal connections. Old news and circumstantial. McIntyre could have easily had someone pull the trigger for him. That doesn't make any sense. Mr. Rossi just testified in my client's favor. Miss Gamble and I talked with Rossi after he testified. We believe he intended to reverse direction and implicate the defendant. Well, to be fair, he didn't Damn. explicitly say that. I think he did. The defendant was trying to lock in his testimony. Mr. Walsh. I am very troubled by the death of this witness. But at this point, you've shown me no evidence tying the defendant to the murder. Even right, so if I grant question. your request for a mistrial, I'm afraid it won't stand and I up on a... I didn't pick up on this the first time I watched it. But how would... You know, let's say he got offed by our, by our scuzzy client. How did the scuzzy client know that Offerman had just been threatened by the DA? How, how would he know to kill him? Because what Helen pointed out was right. Like, he just did, like, the best thing he could possibly do by saying it wasn't him. Right? He walks out. There's no reason for the client to think that he was ever going to go back and change his testimony. So, like, well, is there is there a, a mole in the DA's office? Well, there's no—I guess you're indicating there's no scene that explains it. Because what I would expect to have seen, if we if we were to believe— one of two things, right? I don't think a mole. I would think either he had his goons watching the guy and he saw him get carted into the DA's office again and was like, hey, it's too it's too risky. He might talk. Because at this yeah. point, he's already served his purpose, right? He's, he, he's right, said he's he, done. Yeah. Or he called him up and was like, hey, look, they're leaning on me hard. Can you protect me? What can you do for me? And then he's like, we got to kill this guy. I don't, one of those two would be the scene I would write, but I guess we're not getting any scene, so. Okay, well. Thank Steel. you for, uh, Mike fixes it. Do you have any other witnesses? New segment. At this point, we intend to call the investigating officer, and then we hope to call another witness who saw the defendant running from the crime scene. Very well. The case will proceed. Pulled a lot of shit out of his ass there. Also, this is the type of guy who can pull a hit out from prison. You tied my Why hands in there. Shoot the guy in the first place. Why didn't have somebody I didn't kill lie. Look, now I can't even try for a continuance to get her back here. Wilcox wouldn't give you one anyway. I'm taking over first chair. Excuse me? You're losing, Helen. I'm coming in. You pulling rank on me now? Yes. I'm not going to let this guy get away twice. Now I'm going to prep the investigating officer. I've done that three times. But I'm taking him on direct now, so I need to prep him, and I'd like to speak with him. 
alone. Oh man, once Livingston goes, now they're like, we're gonna make this guy all kinds of complex and maybe a bad guy? Who knows? It says that in no. Hong Kong, a betrayed wife it's is legally DNA. allowed to kill her adulterous husband, but only with her bare hands. Lucy, I'm gonna use my bare hands if you don't stop talking. Has Philly Sidlow called back? That's the he only doesn't know to call back. Cameron Manheim he doesn't have an episode. answering machine. I can't leave a message. Well, then keep calling until you reach him. I just called like 10 minutes ago. Lindsay, I've been going over Ned Jimmy's deposition. And Eugene, can we go over this later? I've got a million and one things to do. What a hard pan. Did you hear that? That hard pan while Lucy answered the phone? Those pans so far left. Lindsay. Lindsay. It's him. Him who? Sidlow. It's always him. Chekhov's phone. Yeah, of course. Especially 13 seconds after Lindsay asked. Philly, where have you... What? Okay, stop talking. That's right, do not say a word to anybody until I get there. Yes, I'll be right there. How would you like to go over the Zeman deposition on the way to booking? I didn't mean for anyone to get hurt. You gotta believe me. Philly. You gotta tell him, Lindsay. This is very serious. I asked Eugene to come with me. You don't have to say it's serious. The cops already told me I could get life. Please, let's go over what happened. Yeah, let's. I robbed the bank like Lindsay said to. Philly, I never said rob a bank. What are you talking about? You did. You even said that I could go to federal prison if I did. I wasn't advising you to commit a crime. All right, hold on. I need to know exactly what's going on. Yeah, you can get to the bottom of this, please. I've been sick. Lindsay knows. I thought it was in remission. Nah, my prostate is spreading. I got this blood disease. I need these transfusions all the time. Where are you being treated? <laughs> See, that's the thing, I'm not. I got no health insurance. So unless I'm just about to kick, I gotta wait. So you tried robbing a bank to pay for an operation? Even if I could get the money, they'd still make me wait months. But in federal prison, the doctors, they'd have to work on me right away. Danny Small from Brockton, big hernia. They sent him away for check kiting. And he was put under the knife that day. You've been trying to get arrested? I got no money, no Lizzie, family. Everybody in the world Only knew that before you did. Somerville. They're tossing me out of it months end. And the pain from this cancer. <clears throat> it was the only way. Okay. What happened today? I went to the bank down the street. I gave the teller a note asking a handover. 300 bucks, that's all. But while she was putting the money in the bag, this guard started walking toward me. Did you have a gun? No. But the teller, she tried sticking one of those dye packs in the bag, the kind that explode. Anyway, it must have gone off, and the guard must have thought that he pulled his gun and fired. He hit the lady standing behind me. What happened to her? I don't know. This could be felony murder. But I didn't kill anybody. I told you I didn't even have a gun. Doesn't matter. If the woman's dead, it happened during the commission of a crime. I didn't want anybody to get killed. I didn't. I, I just want to remind you of Henry an Winkler. Operation. That's all. He does I, a little bit. I, I, He's like one of those guys. Like oh, I, he's just 
inherently likable. Mm-hmm. And given good performance. Detective great, Simon. Great performance. I gotta say, and maybe it's because I'm a little distracted, but and, and we'll talk about it during oopsies, but it feels a little bit like they just did like a, they spin, spun a wheel or like picked from a bag of just like random potential plot lines. And we're like, hey, uh, let's, oh, manifest necessity. That's something. Let's write something about that. Oh, uh, how about guy is sick, wants to go to doctor, wants to go to jail for hospital. That, that would be cool. Let's just write those real quick. Well, I mean, I think you're probably describing every writer's room at the end of a uh, 26 episode season. Yeah, that's fair. That's why they don't do 20 or 22. On the night Mr. Hayden was murdered, was his house burglarized? No. How can you be sure? For one, there were valuables. Talking about mustaches. Holy shit. Additionally, because of the way that Mr. Hayden was killed, he was shot behind both knees about 30 minutes before he was shot in the back of the head. Why is that significant? Burglars like to get in, grab what they can, and get out. Whoever killed Mr. Hayden stuck around to watch him die. This was personal. Objection. Sustained. Only testify as to what you observed, detective. What other evidence connects Mr. McIntyre to Mr. Hayden's murder? The fact that Mr. McIntyre was tried for killing his former business partner. Objection. Sustained. I am instructing the jury to absolutely disregard the last statement made by the witness. Let me be clear. What he said was inadmissible, inappropriate, and wholly irrelevant to this case. DA said you must that. not refer to it in sure any way during the course of your deliberations or in reaching a verdict. Counsel, Chambers, explain to me right now why I shouldn't declare a mistrial. Your Honor, I had no idea Detective Simons would bring up Mr. McIntyre's record. Who are you kidding? This isn't even open for debate. My client's entitled to an immediate mistrial with prejudice. He just instructed the jury to ignore the detective's comment. The jury will never forget what they heard. There's no yeah. way our client You've will get a fair trial. You've got to throw this trial out. I disagree. I mean, there's no way you can let that happen. Of course happen. you do. You did this intentionally. You conspired with the detective. That's completely untrue. Your case was in the toilet. You wanted See, again, to restart the trial. If you called for a mistrial, you wouldn't get a new trial because double jeopardy would attach. Behind so you the forced me to call episode. for one, knowing double jeopardy would not attach. That's a lie, Your Honor. Like, you have to dismiss just to with prejudice. You at least need to hold a hearing. We I have to write exactly the question Walsh under oath. Let me save you the trouble. My question was innocent. The detective made an error. I specifically instructed him not to refer to McIntyre's priors. In no way did I conspire with him. Then I want to put Helen Gamble on the stand. Bobby. There's no allegation of misconduct against Ms. Gamble. The fact that- Your Honor, Mr. Donald would prefer a murderer walk on a technicality. I'm sure you don't want to be the one to grant that wish. That's his job. Don't lay this at my doorstep. I'm appealing to your sense of justice. When Mr. McIntyre killed Mr. Rossi last night, he spit on your court. When we go back out, I will excuse the jury and clear the room. Then Ms. Gamble will take the stand. It's like the third time they've called Helen to the stand. As I've already stated, I have no proof that Mr. Walsh intended to cause a mistrial. Did he ever discuss getting a mistrial so he could restart with a new trial? We never discussed anything like that. 
I really don't think I can help you here, Your Honor. Whatever we discussed is work product. Ms. Gamble, in your opinion, did Mr. Walsh intend to cause a mistrial? Your Honor, I strongly object. My colleague has already stated her opinion is completely irrelevant and inadmissible work product. Relax, Mr. Walsh. You're not on trial. There's no jury here. This is a hearing, and I would like to listen to what Ms. Gamble has to say. Then in principle, I object to forcing DAs to testify in this manner. Already noted. Ms. Gamble. Your Honor, it seems the issue does go to my opinion. Then I'll rephrase the question. Do you have any basis to believe Mr. Walsh did intend to cause a mistrial? Oh, Jesus. What a tough spot to put Helen in. Yes. Your Honor, sit and they've down, done it to her before. Mr. Walsh. Please right, explain so why out. you believe this. And now they're trying to get this guy out. Or they're trying... They, or make him hell-bent to, to bring Helen down. They're, they're trying to get him over as a heel. See, I'm, I'm doing my... Uh, Good job. My, my wrestling history. My, Good research. With our other oh, witness. Research. Yeah. She's in Florida attending to her hospitalized mother. It was becoming clear she probably wouldn't make it back in time to testify. On top of that, Mr. Walsh made sure to exclude me when he prepped Detective Simons. He may have been colluding with him at that point. I also believe Mr. Walsh has not been candid. For example, he suggested that Mr. Rossi intended to implicate McIntyre again. When, in fact, he's given us no indication either way. Your Honor, I insist I be allowed to cross-examine Ms. Gamble. Your witness. This, this, uh, finally we get some firepower. This Isn't it true that the witness could have made it back from Florida in time to testify? Possible, but unlikely. And isn't it also true that we could have asked for a continuance? Could have asked, but when I raised that possibility, you rejected it. Do you have any Fan. evidence Fan. whatsoever that I Still discussed anything illegal with Detective Simons? No, I don't. And you have no direct evidence as to what I was thinking? No. If you believed I was committing misconduct, wasn't it your duty as an officer of the court to report me? Maybe I should have. Well, there were just two possibilities. Either you are complicit in a conspiracy to commit obstruction of justice, or you are wrong. I wasn't complicit in a conspiracy. But I had concerns. I've heard enough. This is still my witness, Your Honor. We will take a short recess, after which I'll deliver my decision. So can he fire Helen? He can, right? Or no, they're elected. No, he's elected. He, well, he's Gene not Ward actually for the Commonwealth. DA. Lindsay he's Dole the for the defense. Wave reading, so plead not guilty. Question of bail. Before addressing that, Your Honor, the Commonwealth moves to disqualify Ms. Dole. She is a material witness about the crime in question. What witness? I'm his lawyer. A conversation Ms. Dole had with the defendant will establish motive. Your Honor, Eugene Young, also for the defense. My colleague cannot testify where privilege applies. According to Mr. Sidlow's statement, Ms. Dole instructed him on what kind of crime to commit in order to get himself incarcerated. That's a lie. Take it easy. Counsel, approach. Well, I like new judge. Yes. Oh, wait. Uh, wrong button. I have, I have one that's right. Judge. 
Our new judge here, Judge Lambert, is played by Barbara Eve Harris from Side Effects, Party of Five, Prison Break, The Amazing Spider-Man, CSI, Chicago PD, and... It, interesting, because we had an original series cast member on, and now we have a Picard cast member. She was Emmy in The Impossible Box. Unnecessary Star Trek did you reference. instruct your client to rob a bank so he could go to prison? Again, I raise the issue of attorney-client privilege. Mr. Sidlow waived that right when he disclosed the contents of his conversation with Miss Dole. Now, please answer the question. I did explain the difference between federal and state crimes, but only to answer a client's question about what he said was a past crime. You helped get a woman killed. You know, the woman who was no, shot. No, she didn't. She died an That's hour ago. Bullshit. It's all about context, and it like do, it doesn't even make. It, <sighs> that was not my fault, Ms. Dole. It sounds like Ms. Ward's right. You'll probably have to disqualify yourself. I will not testify against my client. Okay, enough. Ms. Ward, although I don't know exactly what happened here, let's be realistic. This shouldn't go to trial. The defendant's confused. He was unarmed. Felony murder applies only if the jury finds that he consciously disregarded risk to human life. Therefore, I strongly suggest you get Mr. Sidlow new counsel and settle this. He wants to go to jail anyway. You're quitting on me? But you're my lawyer. Philly, the judge disqualified me. I'm not quitting. Look. We couldn't find him Medicare or something? Like, he's an older guy. Lindsay said she'd help him out with money. Like, I, I get it. Can't, like, I, I get the premise we're dealing with, but it seems a little, yeah. it still seems far-fetched. His only recourse is go to federal prison? Well, yeah, and and it, believe me, <laughs> I'm not ever in the position of defending our healthcare system Correct. here because it's terrible and it's it's atrocious and and criminal how bad our healthcare system is. But yeah, I I feel like you're right with Medicare or even Medicaid. Like like there are things that he can. Do. I, I think his point is, I need this like immediately, not mm -hmm. coming in a couple of months. But I still feel. Like if it's truly an emergency situation, there's there's got to be a better way, even in 2001, than I to guess rob you a could say that his uh, the he has a need that is uh, a manifest necessity. You aren't listening. You haven't been listening. I never told Nailed you it. to rob a bank. <laughs> you did that on your own and got me in trouble in the process. I'm sorry, Lindsay. Why didn't you just tell me the truth and give me the chance to help? I didn't want to get you mixed up in something illegal. You're a good person. Because I don't want to draw Look, attention to the paper-thin idea of this plot. I'm not your lawyer. We shouldn't even be talking since privilege doesn't apply. I was just trying to save my life. I didn't want to get anyone killed. I know, Philly. But someone's dead. Should be noted. I hope you all were taking shots every time go. she said Philly. Oh, definitely. Lindsay, wait. I know we can't talk about the case, but... Can we just talk? About Lucy's unnatural crush on Wilford Brimley? <laughs> That'd be good. I guess he's got nobody. I guess he's just a loner, Philly. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a very... The story as... All rise. If you accept it, is terribly sad. <laughs> and James Handy does a terrific job. Be seated. To dismiss a murder case with prejudice, to let a possible killer go free merely because of prosecution error, is not only the most extreme and frowned upon remedy available to a court, it offends our sense of right and wrong. It makes a mockery of our most basic sense of fairness. Don't misunderstand me, prosecutorial misconduct is a problem. But to deny justice in order to save justice makes no sense. And as the record clearly shows, I have no smoking gun here. No direct evidence that Mr. Walsh did knowingly and intentionally cause a mistrial. The most Ms. Gamble could offer me was her opinion. I won't make a ruling on such an important matter purely on speculation. However, I am required to consider the totality of the facts supporting these allegations, as well as the credibility of the parties involved. This is not the first time I've had Mr. Walsh before me. This year alone, I have seen a man I have always respected employ what I consider to be sharp and unethical practices. He has become increasingly less candid and honest. In his effort to do justice, he has perverted it. Here, he misled the court about the availability of a witness I now learn is in Florida. It has to stop. He's so good. I think is great. Yeah. Sadly, I have no choice just about to say that. but to find that Mr. Walsh did intend to cause a mistrial in an effort to obtain a new trial. The case against the defendant is dismissed with prejudice. Mr. McIntyre, you are free to go. Your Honor. May I be heard? I have ruled, Mr. Walsh. Then for the record, let me say, we are filing an immediate appeal to have your ruling reversed. Your decision is unjust, unconscionable, and wholly unsupported in law or fact. It is a reflection of this court's animus against me and my office, and will form the basis of my personal complaint to the Judicial Council. Mr. Walsh. I'm not finished. Your decision to put a killer back on the street should not go unpunished. It is my hope the legislature will consider appropriate actions, including possible impeachment. You crossed the line a long time ago, Mr. Walsh. I ascribe your inappropriate response to the fact that ultimately you know this whole disaster is your fault. This court is adjourned. See, that's such a good scene. Yeah. <clears throat> and if it had made more sense leading up to it, it'd be like so exciting right now. That's it. It's over. But it does make me want to see a lot more of McGonagall. And like, I guess Kittleson's sort of just like secondary, like get let him judge a judge now. Let me see more of that shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, the two of them yeah, going head to head is, is strong. Hey, thanks. Send me the bill. Fun uncles not looking at his niece too affectionately. 
Don't accuse me of perjury. Technically, he was ever Look, her uncle, but you know, I did my ethical duty. What excuse do you have for ripping me apart up there? I was trying to save this case, Helen. I wasn't railroading an innocent man. I wanted to give McIntyre the fair trial he was avoiding by killing a witness. He's going free. Patricia, we are so sorry. You made this happen. How can you tell me that you're sorry? I have yeah, to she's got a right to be pissed. The truth is, Michael McIntyre took my father's business, then took his life. And you let him get away. Well, not, not Helen. Helen. <laughs> why, why is she looking at Helen there? I mean, other than that, Helen told the my truth. ethical duty. <clears throat> Only because you were dragged into it. You're not a hero. And well, kids, I don't know what the hell's happening. Well, we're gonna uh, fade out on a zoom out as we watch Helen consider her life choices. As we finish almost all episodes, as we should probably finish this episode that way too. Yeah. Uh, so I guess let's. Uh... See if we can't make heads or tails of this shit in the uh, oopsies. Uh, no promises. Let's go to the after show show. Back on the YouTubes. And we are stashed, baby. We are. St <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, I'm so proud of that. I, yeah, you've done well. <laughs> well, we just watched an episode of The, uh, the Practice, but... I really want to know how Mike's brain will encapsulate this in a 30 second span in a segment we call mm, two, three, four. <laughs> Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Segment. 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 Yo. Oh God. I'm still talking that guy uh, killed his business partner, but like all of a sudden all the witnesses were like, nope. And then the witnesses was like, like he had a big stash and it wasn't Brimley. It was Offerman. And he was like, I'm killed. And so then the DA was like, yo, bad news. We got to do some shady business. And Helen was like, oh, he shouldn't have done that. And the judge was like, yo, mistrial, bitch. On the other side, Philly uh, has cancer and needs to go to the hospital in jail. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now, can you uh, re re do all of that again uh -huh. in fewer syllables? Yeah, I'm concerned about it, but we'll try. Woohoo! <laughs> Nothing makes for better television than Mike's concern. You got? Do you have the thing? Oh, it's me. It's you. Oh. <laughs> uh. Um. Fun uncle killed him. Oh shit. <laughs> um Just listen to the water. It'll calm your mind. But then he still got away. Uh-huh.
Philly wants some jail. <laughs> okay, that oh, is no. Nice. Look, technical victories are still victories. Oh, that was embarrassing, that one. No, it really I mean, like, look, they credit where credit is due. A, they can't all be winners, but but you're actually you're coming up with a haiku on the fly on camera. <laughs> I think that's pretty good, regardless of how it goes. So uh credit where credit is due. It's now time for us to uh hand out some awards. What do you say? In a segment we call Ladies and Gentlemen. The Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike! What the hell are the oopsies? Oh, boy. I don't know why you keep asking, Jackie. I mean, because we explain it every single yeah, week. We do. It's a fake award show that begins with everyone's favorite. Most valuable <laughs> it will never stop being funny. I can feel it. I can feel it when it happens. <laughs> I mean, so Bobby and Jimmy get their guy off, but they don't really, they almost had zero agency in it. Uh, I guess Lindsay, it could be said, I don't even know how how she was effective in this. Really, it's like McGonagall sort of, I don't know, I need some help. No, well, a, judge, I, I, a judge is a lawyer, so a judge technically has to pass the bar. So I, I think I'm with you because uh, honestly, everybody else was either peripheral or causing damage everywhere yeah. they went. A lot of collateral damage. A lot of collateral damage, <clears throat> and the only person who, you know, I think ethically, Helen did what she was supposed to do. So <clears throat> credit to that, but she's not actually lawyering in that situation whereas the judge had to separate all of these tangled webs and do the only thing he could do and so yeah i think it's a i think it's mcgonagall for me okay okay well congratulations uh mcgonagall i found it there we are yay now that's, I think the that's judge's your name. First... what's the actor's name again uh, Ri- uh richard mcgonagall is the actor and the judge is Judge Wilcox. Okay, so really, the MVL is Judge Wilcox. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. The actor is like I've really rubbed I off win? on you. I've <laughs> really rubbed off on you, not knowing any. Everything's just. Oh my God! Helter skelter. No tires for us. No tires. All right, but it's we do have. Whew, here we go. It's time. Already famous because you've been on TV Getting a paycheck Watch first entry on your IMDb Way to go But you're the best guest actor You are the best guest actor You are the best guest actor on the episode Well, first, the best guest actor on this episode 
Oh, are we going to meet him? Folks, tune to your YouTubes. We're going to have... Oh! There he is. Look at that guy. You say hi. It's your first podcast appearance. He's That's... like, I want to go play with Didi. Well, obviously. Very cute. Charlie has not moved uh, a centimeter. He's still asleep upside down. So, well, that's the best he, way to sleep. He didn't want to be on the, on the show today, sadly. So, I didn't even change the thing. I was so excited. Uh, Got a lot of good candidates here for yeah. Best Guest Actor. Here's, here's the thing. A guy who played Philly was great. I loved him. James uh, Handy. James Handy. He came in handy this episode. Uh, Offerman, I'm not sure he said much, did much. Uh, he got killed. Uh, I I believe you have to make it to the end of the episode to be considered for the oopsie. I, I don't think that would qualify us. Yeah, that's a good point. But still, I didn't find him to be the strongest guest actor. Well, he didn't have much to do. I think that proper name Richard McGonagall mm -hmm. had a lot to do, gave some really, we talked about this a few episodes ago, a really grounded performance at the judge with some really heightened stakes. Yep. What I Not only did I think his last monologue was excellent and all of the chamber stuff was excellent, what I really enjoyed about his performance was, yes, once again, we were told via, via exposition that he and the district attorney had history, right? We yes, told we, which we did we, see in a previous episode. Did we? Yes, we did. Okay, that kind of cuts the balls off of what I'm about to say, but I was going to say <laughs> we weren't given a lot of context of what that was, but it didn't really matter because both of their performances filled in a lot of those blanks. There was there was a palpable tension between them uh, that I thought was well acted and well I could feel without all of the exposition that was still given to us anyway. Uh, at the end of the day, though, for me... Uh, not only did I think the writing of that character was at least consistent, uh, some I thought some of the other portrayals were a little... We're going to talk about it shortly. There's a lot of unevenness here. There's a lot of cresting waves throughout this episode. Uh, but I think Richard McGonagall, for me, was the, the best guest actor performance for this week. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. And I, I yes, we should definitely give James Handy a hand. And... Uh, and also, I thought Bill Simitrovich was very good yes, as well. Yes, excellent. Very, very so, good. Uh, so they're, but they're he's live. in the credits now, or he's still not in the credits? No, he's not in the credits. Okay. So he's not, he is still okay. a guest actor. Uh, but I think, you're, I think you're entirely right. I think Richard McGonagall really is excellent in this role. He's able to do authority without being imperious, if you know what I mean. Like, he's able to be like, I'm, I'm in charge here, and I don't need to be a dick to mm -hmm. prove it. And I think that that is just a certain type of person, certain type of actor who can pull that off. Uh, so congratulations uh, on your, that's the wrong button, with your double oopsie. Richard McGonagall and Judge Will Cox coming up next. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. We had a bunch of them. Uh, Lindsay uh, Kelly Williams gave a really compassionate performance. 
and even tried to sell that last beat where everybody was accusing her of being complicit in murder, and she was like, I didn't want to hurt anybody. In reality, like that's you'd be like, what the, what the fuck are you talking about? I, I was just, it had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, Eugene, you know, Steve Steve Harris was great. Everybody was great. Bobby, I can't get past Bobby's, and his first thing was like, this is his lucky day. Lucky um, day. You know, Cameron gave her one line. Uh, I, I think for me, this is Lara Flynn's episode. Mm -hmm. uh, she she got put in the most interesting scenarios, I think, and was able to flex a little bit. Um, I thought that her being caught between the rock of like her colleague and doing the right thing, and then Bobby kind of calling her. I thought I thought that kind of being in that trap was she she was interested in that, and she also did some awesome things that Lara Flynn Boyle often does that we don't always call. She does some excellent. She does some great face. Like there was one point when uh, uh, the DA, what's the DA's name? Walsh. Walsh was intimidating, not intimidating, was uh, laying out the stakes for Offerman to potentially uh, <clears throat> rat out whoever was pressuring him. She was doing this kind of look. She was giving this look that was like, yeah, he's so badass. Like it, it was, she does some great reacting as well. And so I, I think I'm going to throw this one Lara Flynn's way. Yeah, I, I I think it's it's Lara Flynn's episode. I mean, it, this episode was was sort of a was weird because it really wasn't our main cast didn't really yeah. have anything to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, like I mean, yeah, Lindsay's there, but she's just sort of talking. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what you do on a TV episode, but there there really wasn't much going on, and you know, and, and the only character of our main cast who had a lot to do was Lara Flynn. I would like to... I, I loved the showdown between McGonagall and Simichevich, but it, it's still not... Like, why isn't that the showdown between the judge and one of our main cast? Yeah. I don't... I don't. I, I think they've just... I, I'll talk about it in the, in, the, uh, in the tires, but it feels like the show's sort of running out of ideas a little bit. And uh, so I think that's affecting things. Nonetheless... Uh, congratulations, Lara Flynn Boyle, with your best actor. Oopsie. Now, uh, speaking of things that apparently will never run out of tires, our good friend... The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. No-brainer, Stash Brady give, doing an infomercial for uh, diabetes. <laughs> diabetes Stash Tom Brady. Congratulations. I mean, that one wrote itself. Wrote itself. Uh, all right. Now, let us talk about something that should have written itself. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Ah, uh, I'm going to need your help here, buddy. It's, uh, uh, it was just sort of, there's nothing outright bad, right? There's no. nothing ridiculous or bad. Like you said, it just felt sort of like, Decent, not even good pitches, right? It wasn't even like a good pitch. I mean, we we talked about a week or two ago. Here's a great pitch for an episode, and then the follow through was meh, or like a. But this was not even a pitch. It was just sort of like grab bag of potpourri ideas, right? Uh, let's do a case about the, the this, and then the oh guy gets sick in prison, and then the follow through is sort of like. I'd say the A case has a better follow. The B case we can talk about. It, it was great acting by uh, the guest and by. 
Kelly Williams, and yet almost nonsensical. Like doesn't really doesn't the fact yeah. not and then like the stakes, the weight of it feels unbalanced. Like the way Lindsay's treating it is very like oh grandpa, and then it turns out like he sort of like indirectly killed a lady and we sort of like don't wait them it didn't feel weighted properly yeah the a case i understand like you said what i guess what feels uneven about it is that it, literally jimmy and bobby are just kind of just like sitting there staring at the action unfolding the whole episode yeah the whole episode uh and whilst the kind of inter-office drama between Helen Gamble and her colleague slash guy who outranks her is interesting, if not sort of out of nowhere. Their their coach, it's like what he's it's and the, and it's telegraphed, like you said. We were telegraphed everything. We nothing. We discovered nothing as the audience. The big reveals we sort of knew were coming, and then they indicated so hard in the elevator that he was going to go and be improper with this witness that right. it's. Not even surprising when Helen is like forced into the situation where she's like, and they made her her objections very clear, right? Be different maybe if they were like really good friends and they were, were working together really well, and all of a sudden she was put into this impossible situation. But no, like it was clear she had she had reservations, and Bobby, just none of it worked for me. Uh, so I'd love for the audience to like write in and tell me why I'm wrong about that. But I just, <coughs> I just. Not even the act, like the acting was good. Magana was, but like none of it felt, if you asked me of the season, like to flick out some episodes that you have to see, this is not on the list. Uh, but if you needed a good drink today, the Philly drinking game was. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm going to say six, six point four two stars. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I, I, I think you're right. It's these, this last set of episodes have been. I feel just undercooked and I understand what, what is the heart of the episode we just watched? It's that conflict between Simitrovich and McGonagall. I'm like, great. That is a great finale to an episode. That is a great place to lead to. Let's get there. Let's let them do that. But how we got there just felt undercooked. I mean, it was, it, it's just like, there's a, there's gotta be a more interesting way to get us to that moment. And the and the reveals, like you said, the audience is ahead of your characters. And that's just never a good thing, especially for a smart show like this, right? So we we knew what was going on in uh in James in Philly's case before Lindsay did. We knew what was going on with Simitrovitz before Bobby did. And it was just one of those things where we didn't even know that because the show revealed it to us. It's just your plot wasn't as smart as your characters. Yeah. You had to dumb <clears throat> down smart characters in order to keep them behind the plot. So it just it's not it's just not good it's not good plotting. It's not good writing. You don't you should n never have to write your characters dumber because especially in, especially in a show like this. It has a smart audience. It's a smart show. And so you have to raise, you know, rise to that level. But I, you know, I really just do sort of get the sense. And what the hell do I know? I know nothing. 
<laughs> I've accomplished nothing. I know nothing. Everyone in that room is, has been more successful and more accomplished than I'll ever be in my life. But it feels it feels a little bit like they were just getting tired. And yeah. the, the grind of 23 episodes for all of those years, it's just a lot. It's a lot, and it's a lot when you only have X amount of characters to try to give all of these stories to. And they haven't explored a lot of things. It, it feel, feels like they're very constrained in what they can do storytelling-wise. Well, because, in, you know, we in in previous seasons, we've had overarching plots yeah. throughout the season, character-based. You know, you, the relationships between Lindsay and Bobby, uh, the, the ongoing dr- conflict of... Uh, dude trying to kill uh, nun guy trying to kill everybody Vogelman you know we've had overarching things here we haven't really had that as much we, they started something with Bobby early on and that kind of fizzled and I imagine at some point they plot what the season finale is going to be and so you've right. got this middle uh, I guess the what do you want to call it the penultimate sort of leg that is yeah. a little half baked yeah it, and it's it's been very episodic and been not as cleverly put together it's it, is joey it herrick feels... not coming back i feel like we're running out of time on the series <laughs> is joe on i can't tell you whether joey herrick's gonna come back that's not what we do here You're right but what we do do and i said do do is hand out tires and i have to give my tires too what you said was right there's nothing it's not a bad episode like there was nothing horrifically wrong with this episode you know, it's it's not some like crazy ham-fisted action sequence or something that's horribly offensive. Like it's just, eh. and so uh, we get that's, what, six that's point the four. thing. I gave it six point four two. Sometimes meh is worse than bad. And sometimes, well, it's just. I'm not it's, angry. It's, I'm just disappointed in you. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's that's exactly it. I'm just like, come on, guys. You you only get so many shots to you know, fill 42 minutes of airtime. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, do better. You can do it. I, I, I know you can do it because I've seen you do it. So, as I throw stones from 20 years later, uh, and I will be throwing 6.21 tires in my glass house. <laughs> okay. Uh, while we're here, we should talk about, I think everybody knows, we got Offerman, we got Brimley, we got... We got other guy with the stash. It's been an episode of mustaches from God. Mm, it sure, sure has. Okay, folks, you have gotten through another episode of the Out of Practice Podcast. If you would like to communicate with us, we'd love it. We're lonely. You can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. While you're there, while you're feeling judgy, you should judge us. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service of your choice. You'll join the jury. We'll be so happy to have you. We will read your comment, good, bad, or ugly. And while we're talking about people we're thankful for, we would like to say thank you to our founding sponsors, Jorge Novoa, Lover 69 Leanne Wrights, Jennifer Masanova, and Kari Kuhn. Did you know you can be one of them? You can get your own personal mustache photoshopped on your face if you really want it, or I'll hit on your mom. All you got to do is click on those links in the show notes to leave us a one-time donation or a uh, monthly contribution. (laughs) Uh, Or just tell a friend uh, to watch our Star Trek show or this podcast or any of the neat things we have coming up. 
Uh, guys, I know it's hot out there. It's summertime. Do you know where they have great air conditioning? Prison. If you would like to go to prison, go to a bank, tell them that you're going to rob them. If they ask if you have a gun, say, nope, but I've got a laser gun and I might shoot off some laser sounds. Liability sounds. <laughs> laser sounds.